0: Hello there, and thanks so much indeed for listening to this episode of the Shrimps Verdict Podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. We always appreciate your ears and your downloads. Now, all views expressed on this podcast are those of the individuals concerned and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities of both the podcast and of our Shrimps Live full match commentaries, you can send me an email to dave.salmon.com at beyondradio.co.uk Every kick, every
1: game, every goal following Morecambe FC in League One full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio this is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio after
0: goals this afternoon now I've said that it's probably a nailed on nil nil drawer isn't it so he's gonna get a cross in as well it's a really good one and on the near post up at the back there Jacob Badeau put his man off it's a goal kick but that was a dangerous move down that left flank. Gap. O'Connor to Greg Lee into the feet of Arthur Nahu and Arthur's finally got the ball at his feet to Whoa, run oh, Shane McLaughlin might be in here on the edge of box oh. McLaughlin into the side netting probably should have gone across the keeper back at the feet of goalkeeper Trevor Carson making his full lead debut for the Shrimps this afternoon flicks it on to Joan Ryan Gale, who tries to nod it into the path of Arthur Nahua, cleared away though by AFC Wimbledon only as far as Anthony O'Connor gets it out towards his right-hand side and Ryan McLaughlin and then
2: oh that hello. could turn
0: into a really good ball you know because Joan was off offside but Cole Stockton wasn't, Stockton bearing down on goal and that is a superb last-ditch tackle just as Cole is about to pull the trigger and score his 19th goal of the season Ben Hennigan with the block to put it behind for a corner it's the AFC Wimbledon captain Woodyard who can just bring the ball away inside the center circle George Marsh He's got runners with Radoni over on this right-hand side Towards the edge of the box and a pull a trigger with his left foot. It's way over the bar Arthur Nahua on the edge of the box just tries to get into Cole Stockton Don't Ooh. let him turn certainly don't let him shoot and just whistles over the crossbar AFC Wimbledon nil Morecambe nil you're <laughs> listening to the whole game here on shrimps live on beyond radio and AFC Wimbledon have themselves a corner it's going to be whipped in again by McCormick it's a real deep one and the head goes up there that's a fantastic tip over the bar from Trevor Carson great corner towards the back post first header put it right to the mixer second one was destined to dip under the bar and at full stretch Trevor Carson gets a fingertip and over the bar it goes for a corner good save referee allows play to continue Radoni for Wimbledon he's got a cut field. he's probably looking for a shot there on his left foot but uh didn't quite have the angle for it. So instead goes out towards the left side. And Ayubasal Sal who whips it in with his right foot off the crossbar. Trevor Carson was beaten that time. Grasping that fresh air on the back post. Beat the keeper and back off the woodwork. Yeah, in his way. And then McLaughlin into the feet of Wes McDonald and substitute Wes making good strides towards the edge of the box. That's a lovely oh! ball that we come in. Oh, it's Ryan Cooney and he just couldn't quite get the ball under his spell. If he'd have got it under his control, he would have been bearing down on goal at the back post. So nearly, it perhaps needed to fall to a more of a, a more attacking person than Ryan Cooney. Let's see what we can do with this corner over on the Morecambe left. And it comes down, swung in, right footed from Shane It's just headed over the bar by Greg Lee. Close, but not close enough. The deadlock. Not broken as the referee, Ben Speedy brings proceedings to a close here at the new Plough Lane Stadium. The cherry record, red record stadium. A great league one uh, ground it is as well. It's finished ASC one more than nil. Uh,
1: Morecambe nil. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. I thought, you know, the old I'm saying, this game of two halves. I thought we were excellent first half, moved the ball really well. Having- you know a few really good chances started the second half codes a great chance and then Greg misses a header as well and then they had half chances but I think are defending I think the two boys that have come in Jacob Badou and, and Trevor Carson Trevor's shown why he's an international goalkeeper with one save um, and he just is, he's commanding came for balls took the pressure off us and you know, I, probably a, a fair result in the end um, I think women are on a decent side I think they're in a, a false league position but um, you know, a clean sheet so we're, we're really positive about that With your clean sheet there You mentioned it Trevor Carson A world class save, Wasn't it? Yeah it was top class um, No surprise to me I've worked with Trevor a lot You're not an international goalkeeper If if you don't have that ability I think Jacob Badu as well Has come in Added pace to the, the back line It gives us an assurance You know the way we moved the ball About first half Great chances, they came out as you expect, and and had a right goal second half. But previously we'd have lost that game. You know when we we're under pressure for 10, 15 minutes, we'd have lost it. Showed great character, showed great character against Doncaster, and for was it, 80, 85 minutes drawn against one of the best teams in in the UK. So we're going in the right direction. I was going to say he looked so much more solid this week than he has done in previous weeks. Yeah, I think. Listen, sometimes that's down to personnel as well. Um, you know, we haven't done a whole lot different, as I say, personnel and the, the level that they've played at just, you know, it, it shows that we can defend really well. Again I thought Ant Ram McLaughlin was, was excellent, Greg Lee, the whole back four and some very, very pleasing performances and, and now we hope to build on that. You know, we've we've won against Donnie, we've drew today away from home, which is great, and we to take that into the, the next few home games. Jacob Beddo came into this the the group. We hadn't really heard of him but he's proven already at Spurs and today what a good prospect he is. Cool. Yeah, I tried to sign him in the summer um, and he signed for Burnley, obviously, so you know we kept tabs on him. We knew we needed more pace at the back um, and it's played with many different partners and you know, it's very, very difficult to build an understanding. But yeah, they looked together today, they looked like they, they knew what each other they were doing as a back four. And it certainly helps if you don't concede goals, you don't lose games. In terms of a point each, is that, is that a good good thing to go home with a point at least? You can draw away from home and, and start picking up wins at home, which you know I'm sure we will do. We've lost a lot of games when we deserved to win through, you know, defensive errors and you know as a team, not as, as individuals. As a team, you know, we had to defend better, and I think there's a, a solidity about us, um, you know, and there's there's a belief now that we can go and win football matches no matter who it's against. Also, so Aaron Will did come back today. It's nice to see him back into the starting lineup. Yeah, I've been wanting to start Aaron. You know, he gives us what we're missing—experience. He's a voice. He adds goals from midfield as well, which we haven't really got this season. Um, but he just has been very unfortunate with injuries and level of fitness. But you know, he showed today for seventy odd minutes before we we made changes. Um, he showed his fitness levels are getting back to what we know.
3: Two home games now to come. Wigan uh, on Tuesday—that's always going to be tough, fun, isn't it?
1: Yeah, t- uh, both of them are. Um, you know, both very different games Wickham will come and put a lot of balls into our box and test us and, and Wigan you know, but we we don't fear anybody we've we've been uh, the masters of our own downfall on many occasions and if we defend like that and we throw bodies on the line like that and then play and pass like we did in, in the first half we'll be ok Any ideas of anyone coming to the squad next week? Yes I'm hoping I'm hoping to have two more um, and the midfielder and hopefully another centre half and as the window goes then you know potentially add a little bit more pace into the the top area of the pitch if possible but it's not easy to get better than what we have you know we've got some good players at the football club and people think if we have a magic wand and you can bring players in and it, you know certainly improves the squad i don't want to bring anybody in that isn't better than what we have or doesn't improve or add something different to the squad so i believe the midfielder i've brought in isn't easy on the eye he's um, somebody that destroys and breaks play up um, he's certainly not tombs on the eye but he's, he's he'll add something we haven't got on the centre half that we're hoping to bring in is aggressive in the air so again that adds another defensive bit of stability and we need a little bit more pace up front maybe from the bench as well you know our options are quite limited forward wise at the moment so yeah listen everything has to drop for you we haven't got a lot of money to spend um, and people have to want to come and play so it's ongoing
3: when you talk about a midfielder who breaks things up, it's probably something Morgan fans have been saying you've needed for quite some time.
1: Yeah, you know, he's. Um, I mean, hopefully the deal goes through. He reminds me a little bit of Songle. Um Done the same sort of job, but he's not easy on the eye. Um, you know he's not for the purest, but he, he certainly adds something that allows the players that we have to play because we've got some brilliant technical footballers, and it's just getting that balance right, which we've we've known it isn't quite right. Um, I thought I thought Toomes and Sheen and Arm were excellent today. By the way, I really really did. So it, it adds competition and with the amount of games and the COVID situation. We need a bigger squad and we need more options.
3: Well, Jacob, your league debut for the Shrimps today, a no draw at Wimbledon. Tough game.
4: Um, Yeah, I think second half, they really came out and pressed us, played with a high intensity. Um, So we really had to kind of dig in and uh, keep that clean sheet, which we managed to do. Uh, Unfortunately, we couldn't go and nick a goal down the other end, but I think we take that point and then go again Tuesday.
3: We've been following you, obviously, for a long time and all season. The the team looks more solid with you and Anthony O'Connor there than it has done in previous times.
4: Um, I don't know about that. I think against uh, Doncaster second half, the team showed uh, their quality in class um, to come back from 3-0 down and win 4-3 so I don't know if it's if to do with me but I think uh, the team is just playing well at the moment it's probably that confidence we've got from that Doncaster game and then that performance against Spurs where we can kind of come to a place like this second half under a lot of pressure and kind of not uh, not break down
3: It was a game a few chances today so you had to defend well didn't you?
4: Um, yeah I mean I don't think they had many clear-cut. I think Trevor had one from the set-piece, um, and then they hit the bar as well, which was a bit fluky. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a tight game, um, like every every league game is in this league. So I think um, the team defended well. We dug in, and we, we take that point.
3: Looking at your start for the Shrimps, uh, to make your debut away at Spurs in the FA Cup third round, that wasn't a, a bad start, was it?
4: No, no, it was surreal. Um, as, a, as a London boy as well, I grew up three or four miles from from the ground so um, yeah it was really special I had my family there a few of my friends so yeah they they enjoyed the day out and and I did too 60 minutes last week a
3: full game today are you feeling stronger as the weeks go on
4: yeah I think I hadn't played 90 in a while since I uh, since I came in here I think the tempo of the Spurs game was obviously uh, very high Um, and then I tweaked a few things uh, leading up to the game kind of Uh, food intake wise and and drinks wise um, to try and try and help my body through the 90 minutes which worked today so I just keep that up and I'll be fine.
3: Two big games ahead now at home this week Wigan and Wickham two different tests and two big tests for you.
4: Yeah of course they're going they're going well in the league but I think uh, like we showed last week against a a top team we can more than match them and um, every game in this league is going to be tight it's going to be competitive we're in the same league for the for a reason. Do you know what I mean? So we'll go down. We'll try and win the game. Is it nice we're playing back
3: in the league again, away from the under twenty threes?
4: Yeah, it is. Um, I think with the fans back in as well, because obviously last season there was no fans in. Um, so so the atmosphere today was good. Even though it was against us, it still makes the game a, a lot more, a lot more fun and enjoyable to uh, kind of have the fans and the atmosphere going again.
3: And finally, how have you settled in with the, with the rest of the boys? Yeah.
4: Um, yeah, it's a great bunch of lads. Um, there's a lot of banter flying about, um, they're trying to make me sing uh, my initiation song, but I haven't, haven't remembered quite yet, so I'm going to keep that one quiet. Um, but yeah, it's a good bunch of lads, and um, the second off season should be good.
3: Well, it won't be quiet now once you've heard this on the radio.
4: <laughs> Hopefully they don't listen, so... <laughs>
3: Just get Greg Lee and uh, Shane McLaughlin in the background. He'll be all right. Or Ryan McLaughlin, even.
4: Yeah, I'll get them dancing, clapping and all that. And uh, hopefully it'll be all right. (laughs) It's the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of
0: Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. The second trip to the capital for Morecambe in consecutive weekends. North London against Tottenham in the FA Cup last weekend. South London here at uh, the Cherry Red Record Stadium. The new plough lane, the home of AFC Wimbledon uh, this weekend, where it's uh, finished... uh, AFC One with a nil, uh, Morcombe and nil decent points on the road for Stephen Robinson's men. All things considered, let's look at the game and a bit more detail with myself, Dave Salmon, and EFL pundit and uh, general football aficionado Gabriel Sutton uh, alongside me. Uh, Gab, thanks for joining us on uh, Shrimps Live commentary uh, this afternoon. First and foremost, what did you make of the game today?
2: Yeah, I think it was a fair result in the end, Dave. Uh, I think that there's some positives for Morecambe to take uh, defensively. I think Anthony O'Connor's partnership with Jacob Badeau is a foundation that Stephen Robinson can really build on in the second half of the season as he looks to remedy the defensive troubles that have uh, really plagued Morecambe uh, for much of the season. Again, it wasn't just the centre-backs, though, was it, Dave? Because Jonah Ryunga tracking back, was absolutely fantastic from that point of view and his ball-carrying ability. So lots of positives in terms of keeping the opposition out. It's just that a little bit more in the final third, even during the first half. There was periods where Morecambe were on top, good pressing, recycled the ball pretty well for parts of that first half. Weren't quite able to make the most of it. There was a shot from uh, Jonah Iunga that just went wide, I think, in midway through the first half. Uh, they'll want a little bit more quality. I think that's that's clear to see. But lots of positives as well. The clean sheet being
0: uh, one of those mm. positives. It's an old cliche, isn't it? If you can't win the game, you make sure you don't lose it. And sure. I think uh, goalkeeper Trevor Carson looked assured against Tottenham last Sunday and one great save on his lead debut in the second half, that tip over the bar uh, to maintain that clean sheet.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think Trevor Carson brings that little bit of experience, Dave, and um, I think that's, that's important. It's uh, easy to forget his time uh, north of the border under Stephen Robinson. That clearly comes into, into play. He's 34. He brings that bit of assurance, and uh, that helps players like Jacob Bedeau, who may be a little bit on the younger side. So that experience, that calming influence, it wasn't like he was busy today or that he made a string of saves but he came up trumps when it mattered and he brought those organisational qualities which you always want from a goalkeeper as well also making
0: his lead debut today uh, young defender from Burnley Jacob Bedeau and uh, he was your man of the match Gal I wouldn't uh, particularly disagree with that he didn't really put a foot wrong and there was one particular clearance that sticks out in my memory in the second half They were in down the left-hand side, got the ball to the byline, great diving header to put it behind for a corner, and uh, that epitomised what he was all about today.
2: Yeah, well, I think there's two things, Dave. I think um, in terms of the the pressing that I mentioned in commentary, pressing high up the pitch at moments, so he's not afraid to be a little bit proactive, which I think Stephen Robinson and the style of play that he likes, he'll really sort of appreciate that. Again, showed some really intelligent defending, cut things out, did the simple head as well. Against Wickham, I think after Wigan it is for, for Morecambe. I'd be a little bit worried about maybe Jacob Bedo and Anthony O'Connor up against someone like Sam Vokes, who's a, an aerially dominant target man. I mean, let's face it, most centre backs would struggle against him. So I think there's bigger tests to come in terms of that aerial bombardment, in terms of dealing with cross into the box. Wickham at um, Wimbledon didn't really test um, Morecambe in that regard. I wouldn't say, but they applied a lot of pressure, and uh, and I think they withstood that pressure well. I think the we'll whole back four, really. Ryan McLaughlin, Greg Lee, Anthony
0: O'Connor again. Sure. Flawless. will definitely take that clean sheet, and, and that will stand us in good stead going forward. I think, like you say, we went back to the 4-3-3 today. I think there were times where, in the final third, Cole was a little bit isolated. Perhaps yeah. Jonah and uh, Arthur Newman could have maybe given a, a shade more support. Yeah. It wasn't for want of trying, of course. And uh, they kept... 18 goal top scorer, Cole Stocks, and pretty quiet, apart from that one effort in the first half.
2: Well, I would defend Jonah Iunga to a point because I think he did lots of really big tracking back, which was so important in nullifying the threat posed by Paul Osso, who got forward really well, I think, for Wimbledon. So he was occupied a little bit in that regard. And, and I, I do have a lot of respect for the, for the work rate Jonah Iunga put in today. So I think that was a factor. And Cole Stockton, again, he's not really a striker that's going to have much joy if he's, uh, he's isolated on his own. He's not really able to run in behind and stretch the lines in that way so he does need bodies around him so I can see your point from from that perspective
0: a good point on the road especially against Rivals, if you want to call them, that in and around the bottom sure. eight, nine clubs in League One—it's that mini league that always happens yeah. at this stage of the season, isn't it? And we've just got to make sure we finish mid-table in that in that mini league to be a League One club next I season. You're so. going to say,
2: "It's all about finishing mid-table." All day. Well, that would be the dream. And uh, there, there
0: are still 21 League games left. There's no reason why yeah. we can't mount a, a, a late charge. But uh, lots to be encouraged about. Need to be showing a little bit more of attacking threat, obviously. But on the road, against one of your main rivals at the bottom end of the table, you're going to take a point away in a clean sheet all day.
2: For sure. I think for, for Morecambe, it's not just about edging out the likes of Crewe, Gillingham and Doncaster Rovers because those are just three teams, four go down. So common sense tells you that Morecambe have to try and draw in an AFC Wimbledon or a Cambridge uh, teams that are sort of in that that yeah. other pack just above the relegation zone. And that's going to be important, especially with teams like Lincoln City finding form and Cheltenham having a much better season than maybe a lot of people anticipated. Um, but again, the defensive side of things, I come back to it today. I love the, the commitment from, from this Morecambe side. I loved the tracking back. And, you know, there are times where you'd have a player up against a Wimbledon player that maybe would be naturally a bit quicker, like an Asal or like an Offu. And what I loved about this Morecambe side is these players stuck to the task. Anthony O'Connor showed Asal out to the flank, uh, Joan tracked back. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin and um, the left back Greg Lee—they uh, always uh, sort of did the defensive side of things that kept things tight. And um, Wimbledon, to my eyes, never really were able to get into those advanced wide positions. A lot of them were crosses from deep. We saw a bit of that from Che Alexander. So lots of defensive work that I think uh, Stephen Robertson can fit will fairly can build on.
0: And some big games coming up now for Morecambe. Gab, mm. oh, to home games in the next seven days Wigan on Tuesday Wigan Wanderers on Saturday and then away at Accrington Stanley the Saturday after that in fortnight's time as uh, as we speak after the Wimbledon
2: game they are three enormous games of football in Morecambe season huge and I think listen, Wigan and Wickham ordinarily, you'd want to be able to be in a position where you can write them off as as free hits. I don't think that's quite the case for Morecambe, especially seeing as they haven't been able to get all three points this afternoon. So there is a little bit of pressure on them to try and um, upset a Wickham or a a Wigan in these next two games before going uh, to the other corner of Lancashire.
0: Let's look at League One as a whole then. Gab obviously... Many people listening to this now, they'll know at the start of the season in the summer, you make your predictions. It's in, it's it's a bit of a lottery, isn't it, to make a one to twenty-four prediction of, of any division. You never know what's going to be happening. There's surprises. There's teams that don't do as well as perhaps you might think. But um, in terms of that, you had Morecambe in the bottom four not, in not the summer? Not
2: emphatically in the bottom four. I had has more your, has, You've seen, you've
0: seen us you... a couple of times now though, Gab. Yeah. Has your opinion changed?
2: Have we got enough to get out of trouble? Um it's, for me, the question is not so much about Morecambe, but about the teams that you're going to be able to catch because you look at it, Cambridge United they're in pretty good form at the moment they got that incredible victory at Newcastle in the FA Cup, they're going to be hard to catch, Lincoln City are starting to find form after a couple of decent signings, Cheltenham, as I mentioned earlier are having a better season than expected and Wimbledon as well um, You know, they're one of the teams that Morecambe are going to have to try and catch, so as much as I say and you quite rightly said, you know, it's a good point away from home against a relegation rival the flip side of that is I do think that this could be perceived as well as a missed opportunity to really draw in one of the teams that Morecambe are going to have to try and catch certainly it's going to
0: be a roller coaster in the next uh, four months or so let's head towards the top end of the table
2: now sure. then Gab Who's your tip for promotion back into the Championship? I think Rotherham, Sunderland and Wigan are probably the three standout sides at the moment. And I think Wickham aren't a million miles off that. Uh, So I think Rotherham and Sunderland will go up automatically.
0: Now, we've got some big games coming up in uh, League One over the next few weeks, including on Tuesday, Wigan Athletic, the visitors to the Mizuma Stadium. Full commentary, of course, as ever on Shrimps Live from 7.30 on FM and DAB Plus Digital Radio and on iFollow online too, of course. But uh, Wigan rejuvenated this season under Liam Richardson. It's well documented their struggles, administration, nearly going out of business, nearly getting relegated last season as well. But they've come back with a vengeance this year and are strong candidates, you have to say, uh, to win promotion back into the Championship. Ahead of the game, I've been talking to Chris from the Piet at Night, a fans podcast and Latix fanzine website as well. And uh, Chris has been giving me the full lowdown on all things Wigan Athletic ahead of their trip to the Mazuma on Tuesday. So, Chris, before we get on to matters uh, between the two sides this week, tell us all about the Pie at Night. What is it all about and where can we find it?
5: It's a podcast. It started as a bit of an offshoot. Um, the, the fanzine, the football fanzine that's produced over in Wigan, is called The Muddle to Football Express. Um, and then the, the Pirate Night podcast started as as an offshoot of that. We wanted to do a podcast. We have a website that we put articles on from time to time and a, and a, a shop that we sort of sell T-shirts and things from, purely to fund the hosting of the podcast and the website. But yeah, just, we sort of, we, we started off with an ethos, an ethos of... Um, five idiots in the pub just drinking and talking football and and sort of we'll put a microphone in the corner of the table and just pretend it's not there and that's it really anything and everything and uh, I sort of have a thing of if we talk too much football because I think there's a lot of football content out there and uh, I think to keep it light-hearted we should uh, try not to talk too much football.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right, Chris, aren't you? Sometimes you can be saturated by yeah. m- much of a muchness if you're not careful. So if yeah. you try and offer something a bit different, then you've got more more of a chance, I suppose.
5: Yeah. We also try not to take it too seriously. Yeah.
0: They're the be- they're the best way, I think. That's that is absolutely mm-hmm. the best way. So, Chris, as a as a Wigan fan, I I suppose you've you've seen many, many great highs over recent times, actually, but also some crashing lows. To me, it seems absolutely astonishing that somebody can buy a football club, pass all of the tests, as or not as vigorous as they should be, of course, Mm. but can purchase a club of the size of Wigan, and then literally a couple of weeks later just bin it off. It doesn't seem
5: right. But that's what happened. Well, yeah. Well, when when it changed hands in the month or two months before, um, the administration there's there's questions over number one, the test is referred to as the fit and proper person's test, but there's a massive question I think still over whether the, even the test is fit for purpose for what it does, the owner's and director's test um, and I think there's a lot of a lot of it is a tick in the box exercise for a lot of things, financial statements and stuff like that Um, and the one thing that we sort of hoped would come out of our situation would be that there would be changes to that test to stop those sorts of things happening again but I don't think, (laughs) it's a strange one in that the way like the Premier League and the AFL is run effectively it's Turkey's voting for Christmas because the chairmans of all the clubs in the league vote for any changes and they're not going to vote to put harsher rules in place that would eventually stop them from offloading it at some point if they need to yeah. put them in a position where they can't sell whatever they've got so and there's, there's a lot of noise um the government reporting to the independent regulator Gary Neville's made quite a bit of noise about it and we think that that definitely is something that needs to come in in, in the wider football world Um but yeah it was a, it was a really strange one we think that the actual takeover, what supposedly happened—the guy that bought Wigan off the existing owner—it was a bit of a stooge and a muddy in the waters. Don't think he ever actually owned it as such. Don't think he ever, he ever um, had any intention of doing anything with it. It was—we think—it was, we think it was a, a, a fudge for the, the, the existing owner at the time to, to offload Wigan. And the stupidity of it all was generally the squad that we had, um, if you think had had sort of made a real we we'd stayed up, but we'd we'd we ended up finishing 13th. Keep that squad together with a couple of additions the following year. You can probably have a good tilt at the playoffs. Yeah. There's players like, for example, Kiefer Moore who is at Cardiff now. We ended up selling him for two million pounds in administration. He's currently being marked at 10 million pounds. At the end of that season, he was going away with Wales to an international tournament. See how he plays in that tournament, and he's and he's worth at least £10 then. So we ended up disposing something like, we estimated, around £50 million pounds worth of players for in the region of about £6.5 million. Pound. It just seems daft. It was a really sort of stupid way to approach it.
0: So you're bottom of the table, you've sold all your best players, you're in administration... All hope appears lost, I suppose. And it, it did look bleak for quite some time, didn't it? And then suddenly you get to pick a couple of results up and you think, do you know what? We can probably keep ourselves up here. And you managed to do so just about. And then, of course, this season, new owners, more money. Yeah. And you've kicked on significantly.
5: Yeah. Um, the saving grace throughout the initial period was the academy. Not only in terms of having assets to sell to some extent to pay wage bills and fund us to get to a point where we'd completed the season and everything else, keep pay the wages off et cetera um, and keep us going keep us going for long enough to um complete that season, regardless of whether we ended up getting relegated or not. We just needed to sort of not go out of business in the same way that Barry ended up doing um and that happened, and then not only that the the youth players that stepped up and pl- ended up playing in the first team and, and throughout all that administration period and this is some of the argument I can understand certain chairman etc have got at the moment with regards to fixtures getting cancelled for Covid was throughout all of that administration season we were playing pretty much a scratch under 23's team against full grown men teams in the league and and yeah stayed up by the skin of our teeth it was admirable that it was done so with a lot of young lads. But again, going back to the AFL, DAF rules around if youth players from, say, for example, the under-18s or whatever, the under-21s have been pulled into the main squad and then played a first-team fixture, they then couldn't then go back down into the under 23 squad. So when it got to January mm-hmm. and we're wanting to try and strengthen a little bit, bring in a bit of experience, we're having to release under-23 players to free up squad places. Nice. And and we're ru- yeah, ruining young players' careers that effectively would have dropped back into our under-23s, shouldn't have been playing in the first team because he probably weren't quite ready. Some of them were, but then there's been quite a few that have been sold, and like, for example, uh, Kyle Joseph ended up at Swansea and then has been out on loan at Cheltenham. There's a couple that went to Tottenham and Brighton and places like that. They haven't really... Uh, there's not many that we sold of the youth that have gone on and made a name for themselves. Geldar at Leeds, but he was always destined for the for yeah. Good things. We were surprised when he, it was Leeds that he ended up with. We'd have thought one of the bigger clubs in and around the northwest might have gone for him. But yeah, he's he's doing all right at Leeds. And again, we ended up getting something like two million for him. And the the price that certain Championship players go for is in the region of $20, $25 million. A season at Championship level, playing regularly, we can score. And he'd he'd have gone for yeah. We could have sold him for ten ten times that at least. The following summer so it was just a madness but uh yeah the we started this season with probably three or four five maximum players on the books because of the way it was so as much as the new owners have come in and spent some money we're not going to lie and say they've not spent money but the squad a lot of it has been built on um free transfers and players out of contracts and what have you they haven't actually spent that much in terms of fees for players i don't think um the Jason Kenny who came down from St Johnston in Scotland was one that cost money. Um Stephen Humphries, who we signed from Rochdale, who'd had a good season at Rochdale, and played really well against us, although it was against our U team <laughs> to some extent, um, was signed for a decent amount of money in this league. And I think it was something like four hundred thousand pound, but generally. Um and we never expected, I would I would hand on heart say a lot of William fans didn't expect to be Doing as well as we are so quickly because obviously it takes time for a team to gel. But we have signed sort of experienced players for this division, mm-hmm. Naylor and Watmore. We got from Portsmouth. Obviously, we expect Portsmouth will be pushing playoffs and top end of the league at some point. So they were sort of big captures because we were taking experience and leadership off what we were seen as perhaps rivals for pushing at those top end of the table. And perhaps we're out we're out paying wages because we can to some extent. We've started with a clean slate and we can we can overpay on wages, which looking back is something that Mr. Whelan did a long time ago when we were signing the likes of Arjandazu and Matt Jackson from Premier League, bottom end Premier League teams, with a come and do two seasons in the Championship, but we'll pretty much match your wages and a big bonus if you go up. That was where, but we weren't paying much in terms of fees for them. That was where the success was. So, yeah, we're, we're delighted with where we're at. I think. Automatic promotion isn't beyond us, but we're obviously we're getting concerns now around fixture pile up because we're sort of three games behind Rotherham, we've got five games in hand and some teams or we'll have after tonight, mm. and we've progressed in both the league cup uh sorry the f a cup and the f l trophy, mm. so it's fixture pile up we're we're looking at fixture pile up sort of scenario where we'll be playing three times a week and how long and that's sustainable, et cetera. Anything mid-table and above, would, would, I would say, would be seen as success, even from now on being in the position that we're in. So tell us about Liam Richardson then, Chris. Obviously, he's a uh, very,
0: very, very well, highly regarded amongst Wigan fans. And I suppose at the moment, so far, so good managerially as well.
5: Yeah, brilliant. Um, obviously, protégé Paul Cook. A lot of Paul people have sort of said Cook's failing Zips, which were perhaps because he didn't manage to get Richardson to follow him. We thought that when the administrators brought in um John Sheridan, it was sort of whether he needed some experience to help Richardson, whether Richardson didn't want the number one job in that administration season. Um Cook then went in at Ipswich and I think it was I think it was either just before Christmas or in the January and we were thinking at some point Richardson's gonna end up going down there. He didn't. Sheridan got sacked and Richardson had, to, uh, Richardson had to step up. And I think the differences between Cook and Richardson, I would say, is they play a, they play a similar style. Richardson, I would say, seems to... Um, I don't want to say learn from his mistakes, but seems to have noticed quicker when things need tweaking, changing slightly, formation, substitutions, etc. Cook... And when he got sacked at Ipswich recently, we were sort of having a look at what Ipswich fans were saying about him and, and there was parallels with what Portsmouth fans had said to us when he came to us. He's got his favourites. He's rigid in his formation. He won't change things. He's starting eleven sometimes are a bit baffling. His substitutions, can you can be thinking, well, he's, he's not necessarily having a bad game and someone else is playing worse, yet you've hooked him for no reason. He's got his favourites. Richardson doesn't seem to have that. He'll tweak formations throughout a game. He he's, he's, doesn't seem to be afraid to rest players when it needs it. He knows his strongest eleven, I would say, definitely. But the whole thing with Richardson isn't just the footballing side of things. And I suppose it probably came to the fore with the Charlie Wyke incident not so long ago with the, the media that he got on the back of that. But that, that was just a measure of him as a person, I think. The way he conducts himself on the pitch or off the pitch is, is second to none. I don't think there's a game where, and it, and this is going to sound really silly because it's just a little thing, but home games in particular, we noticed early on, like he doesn't leave the pitch until he's been and shaken all of the opposition players' hands. Going off, he comes right over and waits for them because obviously COVID, they've separated dressing rooms and they're yeah. in separate stands, etc. He comes over and he makes he makes a point shaking all their hands and blah blah blah, and I, and I it's just a respecting that for me and I, I really like it I like the way he conducts himself he doesn't he, he's had gripes or he's, he gave an interview earlier on in the week where he was moaning a little bit about the AFL and rescheduling fixtures and the fact that like tonight for example we've got a free Tuesday and we've got teams that cancel fixtures on us that we've tried to rearrange and um, they're not seemingly in agreeing to play them but it, it shouldn't be that a team can agree to play a fixture it should be down to the AFL to mandate playing
0: it on this day absolutely
5: yeah, yeah. And it should be played as near to possible as to the council fixture. So whatever, whichever it, game it was that got cancelled first, I think we've still got Fleetwood and Acc- Accrington as games in hand. Whichever one of those was was the one that was cancelled first, they should play us on the first available fixture that we both got. Accrington played on Saturday with a clean bill of health, but now all of a sudden they're not. And I'm, it's not COVID reasons it's cancelled. it. It's like, a, well, we don't have to rearrange it for today. Well, why not?
0: Well, with all things being equal, Chris, we, uh, we we should be taking to the field hopefully next, uh, next <laughs> Tuesday. So uh, tell us yeah. everything we need to know. Um, the, the, the fixtures, the way they've panned out, we've already played some teams twice. We haven't played other clubs, including yourselves, once yet, but mm. uh, I'm sure it'll balance itself out. Tell us everything we need to know, formations, key players. Likes
5: to play a back four um, with two holding midfielders from time to time. He will play a back three and go with. Um, sort of winged backs. Um, we, as fans, particularly at home, don't see the need to play two holding midfielders. It should be one and let's get on the front foot. Yeah. Um, when I mentioned earlier about Richardson giving him his due like of spotting, spotting things and changing it in games, he will invert that triangle in midfield. So it's two holding midfielders and sort of will keen off, of, off a central striker and he has inverted it and played two and a, and a one holding midfielder. Um, when it's needed it, were quite strong. I think the first game, or when this was originally scheduled to be played, would have been an international weekend. And I think it was on our best that it was moved. Mm. Because, and again, this is another thing, um, we get three international players, we can apply to have it called off. However, there's not that many international players knocking about at our level. And also, if we've got players that are internationals, then... Obviously, we've got an advantage there to some extent in the first place because those players are quality players. Although well,
0: like so, that said, Chris, we've had three games postponed due to international call-ups ourselves this season, which yeah, which, which, which last season we would have not have ever dreamed of. So, you know, yeah. it, it swings and roundabouts.
5: Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Will Keane and we'll probably play sort of through the middle. Before that, we had Charlie White as a target man and, and Keane playing off the back of him. He's, uh, Callum Lang was playing sort of wide right for a, a period at that. Now, he's more... I think he sees himself more as a central striker rather than a wide man, but he was playing with a sort of a, a, a front man and two wide attackers. James McLean on the left and Callum Lang on the right. Um, Callum Lang has done tremendously well on that right-hand side. Um, but again, I think he, he would prefer to play through the middle. Still doing well in scoring goals. Um, and then there's been... Players in and out, Max Power missed a game the other week because he was suspended after five yellow cards and we seemed to miss him. It was, fell at a bad time. We've had injuries. Um, Cousins, who was first-choice first, first choice central midfielder, is pretty much out for the season, was out for a while, came back, and what was seemingly in, in, in an innocuous knock, like a muscle injury, when he returned. And again, was forced to play due to injuries and suspensions, like two games on the bounce where he probably wouldn't have done Mm-hmm. Ended up going off at half-time in his second game when he probably wouldn't have even been playing. He's now out till pretty much the end of the season. Might might make it back for the last two or three games. But then, I feel like we're in a position we can't really moan much because we've got a big squad. <laughs> we've got <laughs> um, uh, uh, we've got players that can play different positions, like Max Power's been playing right back for a period. But again, we'll probably see himself more as a central midfielder, and he's doing all right in central midfield. Now he's moved there because of injuries. Um, <sighs> We, we, we do all right away from home counter attacking wise. where the sort of the pitches opened up for us to counter attack because we will attack with pace. McLean, particularly down the left, um, and then overlapping fullbacks. Derek was been playing left back or right back, and he will overlap um, whether it's Max Power on that right hand side or not. Or Tom Pearce, Joe Bennett, who again we signed from Cardiff in the summer, and really. We've only seen little bits of him because he was injured for a little while, but looks certainly looks better than League One level, I would mm. say. It's surprised to see him sort of playing out of the Championship. Being the age he is and the experience he's got, it sort of feels like he's taken a step down to get game time. But pardon me, um, but has done all right. So yeah, we we went a long period earlier on in the season not conceding goals. We are conceding goals now, and I don't know whether that's down to personnel or tiredness or what but we do seem to be able to score goals you're still on a fantastic run all the same yeah outscore teams yeah we're still 14 unbeaten we we, again weekend in the fa cup we sort of thought well if we get a result bonus blackburn are doing well in the championship and effectively a full sort of league table ahead of us to some extent we'll see how it goes but managed to come out on top there by scoring three goals against, yeah, Blackbird have made changes, but they're still a championship team at the end of the day. So, yeah, we're doing all right.
0: <laughs> we're doing OK as well. What did you make of the clubs that came up from, from League Two? Because three of the four, Bolton aside, but the other three, Cambridge, Cheltenham and ourselves at Morecambe, you wouldn't not necessarily expect those clubs to be in League One We're, we're here by Rice, of course, because we've earned promotion. Yeah, yeah. But but what, what what have you made of what have you made of Morecambe's season so far?
5: I think you're doing all right from what I've seen. Um Stockton scoring goals regularly. Um you're obviously happy with him. Um there was rumors more when White got injured, and obviously yeah. we'd be looking to replace or replace his goals in the team. Whether we'd have a look at him, but I would say different type of player, and isn't isn't what yep, we're looking for. If we are looking yep. for a like for like replacement for for Wyke. but then when he's scoring goals like he is, people are going to start taking notice. Absolutely. But yeah, I I think you do it all right. It's one of those that that I think a couple of games
0: ago we lost to Crew just after Christmas and we were at rock bottom at that point where there was, I think amongst the fan base, there was little hope that we were going to get out of the situation. Even though we were hovering just on the edge of the bottom four, we thought we're not going to turn this around. Then we were three 0 down against Doncaster after half an hour. They'd only scored 13 league goals all season. We had an unbelievable comeback last week to so then win 4-3 in the second half. We gave Spurs a heck of a frightening FA Cup on Sunday, just gone, which was an amazing day out as well, by the way. Uh, so I think we've got a bit of a renewed hope because we've, we're coming into a tough run of games now. You're the first of a of a tough run in the next few weeks, so uh, we're we're much more optimistic than what perhaps we might have been a week or two ago.
5: Yeah, yeah, and again, Tottenham sort of just a bit of a personal slant on that. So my dad, back when Wigan were non-league in the '60s, um, the '61 Cup final was the first game that my dad saw on telly, age seven and became a Spurs supporter, but probably glory hunting in terms of the fact that they won the FA Cup final and Spurs were his league team. And Latics, we were watching Latics from a granddad as non-league, probably never expecting that the two would ever meet. So uh, we, we, I sort of kept one eye on the the Tottenham game at weekend, as I do with with the fact that my dad's followed Tottenham from afar um, over all that time. and. Um, I think some of it was probably just experience and, and uh, fitness levels towards the tail end. Yeah. They just seemed to come on strong towards the end of that game and, and overrun you a little bit, but certainly gave a good account of yourselves. And uh, we were sort of hoping for Tottenham away in the next round after we knew that we'd gone through. purely <laughs> because my dad wants to visit the new, yeah. the new ground. Well, but, they bought uh, on uh,
0: they bought on Lucas Moura and some fella called Harry yeah. Kane in the last twenty minutes. It seemed okay, seemed to make a bit of a difference for some reason. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think that was Rich the biggest. I think, well, I think <laughs> that was the biggest um, biggest compliment you could pay. Morecambe was they had to bring that kind of quality off the bench to get over the line. So we were yeah, delighted exactly. with it, really. Exactly. So prediction time, then, Chris. Uh, how do you think it's going to go next Tuesday? And are you going to get promoted into the Championship this season?
5: <laughs> so, first of all, Tuesday nights, we have struggled. There's, it's been sort of not well documented, but for quite a while, we were playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and we were doing all right on Saturdays in away games and then struggling on Tuesday nights and but they were predominantly home games and it was a case of like what we couldn't quite put the finger on what it was is it because they're tired is it because we play better away from home is it because we go away with like 2000 rockers wiganers making a noise and then back at home on a tuesday night it's flat because a large proportion of our crowds are young kids and tuesday night when they've got school on a wednesday morning the crowd does dip uh it's freezing on a tuesday night and everyone (laughs) sits on their hands and just watches what's going on so I'd I'd be loath to make a prediction. I think we've certainly gotten enough to overcome you, but after you're showing at weekend against Tottenham, I think it'll be more difficult than hope well, I say hopefully, it will be more difficult, I think, than what some Wigan fans would expect. Yeah. I still expect us to come out on top. I just think we've probably just got a little bit too much firepower for you. Like, like with Tottenham at the weekend, although there's <laughs> a golfing class between the two sets of strike forces. Um and I'd like to think we get promoted. Um we don't necessarily have a good record in playoffs, so I'd like to avoid the playoffs. And I think we've certainly got enough to A, win the league, and B, finish in the top two, go up automatic, but it comes back to this fixture pile up And it's it's where, say for example, we go into play in the likes of Rotherham, and they know that they've got a cushion on us because they've already played games, that they can sort of play for a draw and try and nullify us on the counter. And we go in there thinking, well, this is a sort of a must-win because we've got to make up yeah. make up points on them. Great right, stuff, so Chris. You thank you so around. much.
0: Um, and we're looking forward to seeing Callum Lang back as well. It's fantastic yeah. that he's kicked on since then and now an integral part of a, a team that could be playing in the Championship next season. So we, 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 that's fantastic to see. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it and hopefully we, so we, we can pull off a bit of a shock. So, Chris, thank you so <laughs> much and uh, good luck, of course, for the rest of the season.
5: No problem. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: A massive thanks to Chris from the Pie at Night Wigan Athletic podcast and fans' websites as well for his fascinating insight into all things Wigan Athletic. Ahead of the Latics trip to the Mazuma in League One this coming Tuesday, full commentary, of course, on Beyond Radio, on Trimps Live, on FM and DAB Plus Digital Radio. Myself and Matt Smith will be with you Uh, from 7.30 on Tuesday. Do not be late for that. Really looking forward to another massive game in the fight to stay in League One for Robbo's Reds. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast as well. We always appreciate your ears. Uh, Take care and we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game,
1: every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.